We're ending the series this week that we started on Easter. And so if you've been with us, we started a series called Live. We began that Easter Sunday morning. The idea being that when when the scripture in the New Testament, after the resurrection of Jesus, when it's written and when it's preached, it, it's written and preached from a resurrection perspective. There is a different kind of life that is promised to believers in Jesus. Once they receive the Holy Spirit, they, they receive resurrection life. If you understand what I mean by that, Jesus didn't stay dead. He was resurrected and he now sits at the right hand of God, the Father of Scripture tells us. And, and so we, we've been in this series called Live. And the idea being to receive the life that Jesus offers. His words, even in the book of John, uh, just, just that one gospel, Jesus said that, that he came that we could have life to the fullest. He said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He said that he, he is both the resurrection and the life. He said, I'll give you living water. He said, I'm the bread of life. Those were all of his words. And we look at his life, and we can tell that he lived by all that. He, he, Jesus lived a life. Let me just remind you, his life is important. His death and resurrection certainly vital, and his life is also important as well. Not only as an example, but as the fulfillment of, of, of what we could not do. God said, you're to be perfect. And obviously, we know we're not. Jesus was. And so he lived the life that we couldn't live. His life was full of power and full of strength. Even in the most difficult circumstances, even as he hung on the cross, what did he say about the people that had hung him there? Father, what? Forgive them. I mean, what incredible strength and power. Could you do that? (laughs) Could you look at people who hate you, who want to destroy your life, either physically or emotionally or vocationally or however, could you look at them and just cry out, Lord, please forgive them. They don't have any clue what they're doing. That's the power and the strength that Jesus lived by. And then his promise was that when he would ascend into heaven, that he would send his Holy Spirit to take up residence inside the life of every believer and so enable each believer to live the kind of life that Jesus lived. And when we think about our lives compared to all of that, we look around and we see maybe very difficult circumstances, stuff that's hard. And we don't always see power and strength, do we, inside those difficult circumstances. Some of us have sort of folded the tent, if you will. You know, our approach to, to things that, that come our way, tough times, uh, things that, we're, we're, that are unexpected, disappointments, whatever it may be, sometimes we believe the best approach is, is maybe stoicism. Well, if I just act like it doesn't affect me, maybe it won't. And so we just get really tough, or at least we try to appear to be really tough. For others, maybe you take an apathetic approach. Well, I just don't care. It's nah, who, who cares? Life's hard, ah, who cares? doesn't matter. Maybe some just try harder. I'm going to really buckle down. I'm going to get through this. Everything's going to be okay in the end because I'm going to make it. For others, maybe you take sort of a, a Facebook philosophy or cat poster philosophy approach to life. You know those Facebook quotes and cat posters. You know what I'm talking about. I, I saw some this week. One quote said, be strong. You never know who you're inspiring. Boy, that sounds so good. Another quote I saw as I researched on Facebook this week was, I would rather be completely exhausted from the hard times which breed success than well-rested from achieving nothing. It's inspiring, isn't it? Another one, be strong when you are weak. Be brave when you are scared. Be humble when you are victorious. And then my all-time favorite or least favorite, This quote, keep your head up. God gives the hardest battles to his strongest soldiers. You know, all that sounds really good. I mean, I could preach sermons on that stuff. 
But you and I both know that all those statements are either untrue or impossible. It's a bunch of garbage. And yet we, we put those things, we live by those things on Facebook. We get our little quote book, we write them down, but this is what's going to get me through. You know, there are entire organizations that are, are built on trying to help us live with greater strength. The Live Strong Foundation, certainly one of those, you see those commercials, Live Strong. You know, if there's so much out there to help us, so many different quotes, so many different philosophies and inspirations and organizations to help us live with greater strength, I wonder why is it that we're often so weak in the middle of difficult circumstances? Live strong, they tell you. And my question is how? <laughs> this is hard. Life isn't always easy. The Scripture provides us a way, and and I believe it's captured very, very clearly in one particular letter that Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians in a town called Corinth. If you've got a Bible handy, or you can look on the handout, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. It's over in the New Testament. It's after the book of Romans. There's Romans, then 1 Corinthians, then 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You'll see the Scripture there is, is copied and... Uh, on the handout inside your bulletin. If you've got a, a Bible turn there, if you want to look on the handout, do that as well. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to this particular group of Christians on more than one occasion, as you can see, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, but often what he was doing was, was trying to help them understand the true message of the gospel. They, they were confused. They weren't exactly going about things the right way. And they began to believe some, some things Paul called false teaching from some false teachers, people who were not teaching the truth. They also began to believe that maybe Paul isn't exactly this representative from God that he claims to be. Because they looked at his life and all they saw were the hardships. Over and over, Paul just gets pummeled by life. After he became a believer in Jesus, in fact, the Lord promised him, I'm going to show you how much you're going to suffer so that I can spread the gospel through you. Paul did suffer. He experienced things that none of us have any kind of understanding about. He really did suffer. And so they looked at him and said, Now, you claim to follow God, and your life is really, really tough and often miserable. Those two things can't go together. Because if somebody follows God, then life is going to be perfect. It's going to be great. In fact, God promised all that, didn't he? Everything's going to be perfect. And so after having gone through very difficult times... After having been accused of not being a real representative of God, he wants them to understand what true strength, true faith in Christ looks like and where it comes from. And so that's what he wrote about in chapter 4. Here's what Paul knew about living strong. And this is just a summary of verses 7 through 18. Paul knew this about living strong, that if you're going to live as few others live, you've got to see what few others see. To live as few others live, you must see... What few others see. Verse 7 puts it this way about the kind of life that Paul lived. Here's his life that few others were able to live. Look at verse 7. He says, we have this treasure in clay jars so that what? This extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. He lived with incredibly extraordinary power. And Paul admits it. He said, I've got extraordinary power within me. Didn't come from me. But I, I get to live through this power. Paul lived as few others lived. If you've ever seen, or I should say been to, if you've ever been to a Murray State basketball game, if you haven't, let me kind of set the scene for you. The head coach is a guy named Steve Prone. 
and he's been here for a few years, and everybody's worried he's going to leave and all that kind of stuff, all right? Maybe, maybe he's going to stick around. When I go, to, when I go to, to basketball games at Murray State, I, I watch Coach Prone. I watch the game, but I watch him. Because I think he's a very unique kind of coach. Normally, the way that you'll find Coach Prome is in some kind of position like this. Just on the sidelines. His jacket's come off. It's a little warm in there in the CFSB Center. But he hasn't thrown it down. He hasn't tossed it to one of his assistants. He's calmly taken off his jacket, put it on the back of his chair, and just kind of squats. And he watches the action. He doesn't panic. Even when Murray State maybe has things go against them, they're not scoring enough points, they're down a few, he he just calmly is there on the sideline. And what's most amazing to me is he rarely calls a timeout. And I know some of you have screamed and yelled at him, call a timeout, man, you're getting blown off the floor. And there he is, just calmly watching the game. He very rarely loses his temper. Now, he's done it before, of course, all coaches have, but very rarely does he sort of lose his mind. There's something about him. He coaches in a different way than a lot of other coaches. You've seen those other guys, haven't you? I mean, they they come to town, and they are fired up from the beginning. And the jacket comes off, and it's flying. And they're screaming and yelling. They're calling timeout at the first possible opportunity. They lose their minds, and there's Coach Prome just hanging out. He's different. You know, he, he coaches in a different way because he's seeing things from a different perspective. And I don't really believe there's a parallel there with, with how Paul looked at life. You know, the other team in Paul's life always seemed to have the advantage. I mean, he always feels like he's getting attacked. He looked like he's always losing. Every call's going against him. And it's tough. But he wrote about this in, incredible, this extraordinary power, he says, that he experienced. I mean, what would it be like to live that way? What would it be like for you, in one sense, to sort of live as if Coach Prome coaches, you know, as, as he coaches, just calmly there on the sideline, no panic, seeing things from a different perspective? What if that described your daily experience? Maybe it does. But I'd venture to say that the humanness in so many of us probably rears its ugly head sometimes, and we don't live that way. But what if you lived with extraordinary power? Power in your mind. Power in your attitude, your feelings, your actions, your choices. Power over the anxiety that can come from stress. Power to be resilient, to never give up, to have hope when everybody else is going crazy. What would that feel like? The truth is, if we're honest, we're often just the opposite. We don't live strong. We're often incredibly weak. And we know it. We're blown around, we're overwhelmed, we're destroyed, we're anxious, we're scared, we're stressed out, we're confused. I mean, that that more aptly describes our experience, unfortunately. What Paul, what enabled him to live strong in spite of being ignored, in spite of being dismissed as a Christian, in spite of being arrested, criticized, beaten, harassed because of his faith... What was it that enabled him to do all that? How how could he live as few others lived? Look at verse 18. He lived that way because he saw what few others see. Look at what it says here. Verse 7 says he's got extraordinary power. That's how he lived. Here's what he saw. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
he saw what few others let themselves see. He says, we don't focus on things that are seen, we don't concentrate on, we don't dwell on, we don't keep thinking about, we're not fixated on only what we can see. And this was a secret for Paul. If you're overwhelmed by life, if things are coming at you and you just find yourself knocked on the floor over and over needing a timeout and you're down by 20 points and it's 10 minutes into the ball game and you don't know what to do, Paul has the secret. He looked past all the things that he could see. He looked past all the stuff that was going on in his life. He knew all of that was temporary. And instead he focused on what he couldn't, what he couldn't see, the things of God that are eternal. And that's why he could live strong. That's why he didn't panic. That's why he endured when the full court press was on all the time. That's that's how he could have incredible and extraordinary power in the midst of crushing circumstances. Now, I've given you the beginning of this passage and the end, and I want to dig in just a little bit and cover the middle part of this. You see that in order to live as few others live, and I'm going to assume this morning that's your desire, that you would like to experience extraordinary power from God in your life. I'm going to assume that. I'm also going to assume that maybe you'll travel along with me just a little bit and understand how is it that we get to see more of what we can't see. That stuff's found in the middle. So let's take a look here, this kind of extraordinary power that Paul lived with. Here's this life that few others live. Look at verses 8 and 9 and, and, and write down these words there on the outline. But not. Write down those words. Because this sums up his experience. Look at this in verses 8 and 9. He says, here's the extraordinary power. We are pressed in every, pressured in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. It's always but not. This is happening, but, but, but let me tell you what's not happening. Here's what's going on in my life, but let me tell you what's not going on inside of me. He says we're pressured in every way, in verse 8, but not crushed. Uh, maybe a, 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 in other words, you might say we're, we're squeezed, but we're not flattened. I mean, we're sort of pressed in. Life is pressuring. It's, it's sort of like one of those car crusher type things. You maybe have seen one of those. And it's trying to flatten us out. But because of the incredible power that lives within us, the Spirit of God, we are pressed, we are pressured, we are squeezed. But Paul says we're not flattened. Even when there seems to be no escape, he says, we're hemmed in. There's difficulty on all sides. There's no breathing room. In every way possible, that's what's happening to us. He said, but we're not crushed. We're not flattened. We're able to stand up under it all. Verse 8, second part, he says, we're perplexed, but not in despair. The word perplexed there means we're sort of confused about what's going on. Hmm, scratching my head a little bit. But he says, we're not in despair. We're confused, but not at a total loss. Maybe I'm a little bit uncertain. Maybe life is throwing some things at me that cause me to doubt some things about God. Let me just encourage those who may be having some doubts about the Lord. Maybe, maybe if you remember that even some of the what we might consider the greatest saints of all time had their questions. John the Baptist, when he's sitting in prison, he's the same one, by the way, and in, in the first chapter of John that announces, here's the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Later on, he's in prison. You know what? He sends a message to Jesus and he says, uh, hey, um, are, are you really the Messiah or, or are we supposed to just look for somebody else? 
because this ain't working out too well for me. And I remember that back when I said you were this and that and whatever, now I'm in prison. And just curious, are you really who you say you are? John the Baptist had some pretty low moments. He had some doubts. Take courage from the fact that faith is not the absence of doubt, it's believing in the midst of doubt. Paul says we may have doubts, we may be bewildered, We may have a mindset that leads to serious anxiety. We're perplexed about what's going on. And maybe for some of us this morning, life as a Christian is perplexing. You you thought that if you believed in Jesus, that everything would just go fine. That everything's going to work out. It's all going to be perfect. It may take some time, but eventually it all comes out in the wash, right? And unfortunately, maybe that's not what's happening. Paul says, you know what? I've been there. I'm confused as well. But I'm not in despair. I'm not overwhelmed by this anxiety and this fear. I'm not at a total loss. Over in chapter 1, he's right down the reference, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, We don't want you to be unaware of our affliction that took place in the province of Asia. Here's what he says, We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength, so that we even despaired of life. The Apostle Paul, who says, you know what, I'm not at a total loss, but I've been there where it kind of feels that way. Everything affected him, Paul wanted them to know. I'm not a stoic. I'm not one of those philosophers, he says, who who just will pretend like nothing bothers you. Show your strength by being really tough. No. He says, I'm affected by it, but it doesn't overwhelm me. I'm not at the total loss. He goes on in verse 9, he says, We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. He was harassed because of his faith. He was arrested, he was beaten because of his faith, but he knew he was never left alone. Here he was just doing what God had told him to do, and the only reward he gets is trouble. How would you respond? I mean, how does that go for you when it's no longer popular for you to, to be a person of faith? Where people look at you like you're sort of crazy. We're grateful, I'm sure, here in our area where it's still sort of okay. (laughs) But in a lot of places it's not. I mean, how would you respond to that? Many of us would, would assume God has abandoned us. Well, you know what? Everybody's ganging up on me. I assume God's left me too. Not Paul. He lived as few others lived because he saw what God was doing. He saw that God was with him even in his extreme mistreatment. Verse 9 goes on to say, we're struck down but not destroyed. It's always but not. You know what? I'm hurt, but I'm not ruined, he says. He experienced lots of physical and emotional and psychological pain, but it never destroyed him. It never defeated him. It never took his joy and his peace. I wonder what it would feel like for you and for me to live that way, to say, you know what? Here's what's going on, but not this. This is what's going on on the outside, but not on the inside. There's more to living like Paul lived. Through his tough times, the second thing we see is that he gained lots of influence. Verses 12 and 15 tell us this. Verse 12 says, death works in us, but life in you. Verse 15 says, all of this is because of you, so that grace extending through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to God's glory. He says, look, I know that what is happening to me is actually going to help you grow spiritually. This isn't about Paul just saying, well, I'm going to be an inspiration to others. He's, he, he's past that. What he says is, look, I know that I've become like Christ. I'm going to die to myself, let the Lord do in me whatever he needs, and let him use that however he wants to in the lives of other people. Through all of these tough times, he gained 
tremendous influence. And thirdly, he lived like few others live because he had incredible endurance. Verse 16, I, I, I think this is amazing. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. What would it be like not to throw in the towel? I don't know if you have those, those weeks where, boy, Sunday is great. Man, I feel good. And then Monday happens. I'm done. Throwing in the towel. Forget this. Whether it's your job, whether it's, it's, it's a relationship, or, or maybe it's just your Christianity in general. You just think, this isn't worth it. I'm done with it. Paul says, because of what I see, I don't give up. I wonder what it would feel like to respond differently when the tough stuff of life comes. You know, we might assume here that Paul was different from us. You know, I mean, he's the Apostle Paul. He wrote half the New Testament. He's on a little different plane than we are. Maybe he's not quite God, but he's not quite human either. I mean, there's something different about this guy. You know what Paul wrote over and over? He emphasized over and over that, look, I'm no different than any of you. In fact, he called himself the chief of all sinners. He just wants people to know, look, this is not about, I've got some special direct line to God, so I get special treatment. He just said, look, I'm just like you. Go back to verse 18. We do not focus, he says, on what is seen, but on what is unseen. How do I live like few others live, Paul says? How do I live with this but not. This is not going to affect me on the inside. How do I live with influence and endurance? It goes back to focusing on what is not seen. He says, you know, you can focus on what is seen, the pressing, the perplexing, the persecuting, the striking down. But those are temporary, he says. One day, all those things will be gone. How was it that he was able to see what few others saw? You talk about seeing the the unseen. That sounds really kind of wacky sometimes. What in the world is he talking about? How did he develop these eyes to see what God is doing, these eyes to see beyond his circumstances? Let me give you a little pathway to follow, and we'll close this morning. Uh, To see what few others see, Paul lays out for us in these verses, I think some things that we can begin to take, put into practice in our lives, ask God to develop in us, and we'll begin to, to have eyes, spiritual eyes, that see what God is doing beyond our circumstances. This may be tough for you. You say, you know, that sounds great and all, and I'd love to be able to see past my circumstances, but how do I get to the point where that can be developed in me? Let me give you a few of these things. First is humility. Verse 7 says this, We have this treasure in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be uh, from God and not from us. Paul said, look, this treasure that I have, this message of the gospel, this hope that lives inside of me is in a clay jar. When he said those words, they would have immediately thought a discardable uh, kitchen utensil. They didn't fix those things when they were broken. You just toss it and get a new one. Paul knew that he was somewhat lowly compared to God. (laughs) Somewhat. He knew that that compared to God and the message that he had given him to spread, that Paul was nothing. He said, I'm weak, I'm breakable, I'm expendable. I know I'm useful to God in some way, but I'm weak, breakable, and expendable. He says, "My, my worth does not come from myself, but from my Creator and the message that He's given me. He said, I don't thrive in these circumstances because how strong I am. I'm a clay jar, he says, extremely breakable, fragile. So it's not my great strength 
The reason that I'm strong is because of what God has put in me. Humility is where he started. He said, if there's any way that I can make it in the face of hardship, I want you to know it's not because this extraordinary power comes from me, but it comes from God. Secondly, is discipleship. Maybe for some, you start with humility this morning and you say, Lord, I just recognize I don't have the strength that it takes. I, I am not strong enough. And maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray is, Lord, I can't do this. I give up. And God says, finally, it's about time. Or maybe it's through discipleship. Look at verse 10. He says, we who live are always given over to death because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So death works in us, but life in you. Here's what he says, the path of discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way, the German theologian, way back in the 40s, he put it this way, he said, when God calls a man, a woman, he bids him to come and die. You know, that's the essence of discipleship, death to self. And Paul said, look, this is what it is. I've died to myself. He wrote in Galatians, he said, I've I've been crucified and I no longer live. But it's Jesus who lives in me. I'm done. I'm over. My old life is gone. He's given me new life and he lives that through me. He says, we've given ourselves over to death so that we operate as if we've died so that Jesus can live through us. That's the path of discipleship. You say, how, how is it that I can experience this life that God wants for me? Maybe today for the very first time, or maybe today again, it's just to say, Lord, I, I'm going to die to myself. Lord, I, I consider myself as dead so that you can live through me. He says, not just someday, one day I'll experience that life in Jesus, but right now, he says, I've died to experience it. Verse 13 tells us he also had faith. Since we have the same spirit of faith in accordance with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Paul says, I have faith, not just in faith itself, or not just in some abstract thought, but I have faith in what God has already done and what God has already written, that that proves his character, that's who God is, and so I can count on him to be the same in the future. Faith is not a blind leap. Faith is what enables us to see what others cannot see. Paul also said that he's able to see what few others see because he experienced daily renewal. Look at verse 16. Therefore, we do not give up, even though, he says, our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. He said, I got problems on the outside, but I'm brand new every day on the inside. All this stuff on the outside, it ain't going away. But I'm brand new every day on the inside. The Holy Spirit begins to renew me. How does that happen? Write down a couple of references here. You can go back and read them later. It's just one chapter prior. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. The renewal that can come. In verse 6 he says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces life. Gives us new life. Verse 17 of chapter 3, the Holy Spirit produces true freedom. We can know what it's like to live without chains. In verse 18 of chapter 3, he said it's the Holy Spirit who transforms us. Paul says, that's how I'm renewed. As I'm filled daily with the Holy Spirit, He gives me life. He gives me true freedom. He transforms me. If you're looking for some one, two, three kind of step to a different kind of life, it begins and it ends with being filled by the Holy Spirit. It is a supernatural occurrence inside your spirit that will affect what happens on the outside. It's not about putting on a smile. 
It's about having true joy, true hope, and true peace from God Himself on the inside out. And finally, Paul had a different perspective because of all that. He says in verse 17, look at it this. He says, for our momentary light affliction. Now, if you, you stop right there, you might think, well, Paul, you've been arrested. You've been criticized. You've been beaten. Eventually, you'll be killed. And you call it a momentary light affliction. It's like a splinter. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. You know, it eventually works itself out. You might think he's a little crazy until you read the rest of the verse. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. He says what we get to experience one day that can begin now in our hearts, what we get to experience overwhelms anything that we go through. In fact, he says what what these hard times are doing is producing in us a vision that we can see what God offers is so much better and it overwhelms even any of the hard times that we have to go through. Not about minimizing what you're going through, but about putting it in perspective. About seeing it from an eternal perspective. He says, so we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. The Holy Spirit of God filling us up, doing in and through us only what He can. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's tough, Paul says, but it won't last forever. It's painful, but it has no final power over us. You and I may not experience everything that Paul went through. You know, some of what he experienced was because he was chosen by God as an apostle. A very special role to help get the church going at the time. You may not experience all those things. But I guarantee you know what it feels like to to be pressed in. To be confused. Maybe even a little bit harassed. Criticized for your faith. You know what it, what it feels like to hurt. And I wonder, this morning, what kind of life are you living? Is it a a strong life? Or is it one of constant and utter weakness all the time? Is it one based on some Facebook quote or just grit? Or is it one that's based on the life that the Spirit of God lives through you? I wonder this morning if your prayer simply would be, Lord, I I come to die this morning so that I can live. This whole series has been really about that, to receive the life that God offers through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Evaluate this morning. Take stock of where you are. And if you see, my life is, is nothing like the strength that Jesus offers. Would you this morning simply pray, Lord, I come to die. Take my life, take it away, replace it with yours, and make me new. Give me your life. Help me to live. Help me to live as few others live, Lord, by letting me see what few others see. Let's pray together. So we close this time in this series. I, I do hope that... You'll spend a little bit of time with the Lord this morning. Maybe He's spoken something to you through the Scripture that we've seen. And you just say, look, I, you know, I'm not living the life that God has promised for me. It, I recognize that's not about outside stuff, but it's about, it's about the inside. I'm not being renewed. I, I'm not experiencing that. 
and I want that. It could be, not in every case, but it could be that you're not experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit in your life because you don't know Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to Him. You've never placed your faith in Him and, and received His forgiveness of sin. And maybe that's your step this morning for the very first time to say, Lord, I believe You are the Son of God and I surrender my life to You. The Bible tells us that the promise is then that the Holy Spirit will take up residence inside your spirit, inside your life, and begin the process of, of living that life through you. It could be this morning that you just say, you know what, I, I've been so overwhelmed by circumstances, I've taken my eyes off what is unseen, and I've put them on what is seen. Lord, change my perspective. This morning I come to die to myself. I die to what I can see and I want to receive the life that is lived through what I can't see. Lord, help me. God, this morning, speak to us. Help us to respond to you. Make it very clear your message to us this morning. Change us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.